So for about the last 10 years or so, uh, I've had this mantra that I've kind of lived by. Ask hard questions and question typical answers. Now, this mantra for me is one part curiosity, uh, one part challenging the status quo, uh, one part pushing myself in my own limits of understanding. And so I'm just really excited that I'm at a church today where we are having a series about asking questions because I feel like that's something that Christian culture has missed out on. You see, churches have tended to safeguard themselves, ourselves, we'll include ourselves in that, uh, against well-worded questions because, well, a, a well-thought-out question might cause us to dismantle core theologies and we don't want that to happen. But I think that this fear of asking questions actually acknowledges the fragility of our institutions. However, though, I think that asking questions about our faith and our practices and our beliefs can only result in a stronger faith practices and beliefs. And so today, yeah, we're going to ask hard questions and we're going to question typical answers. And we're going to go for one this morning that I think every person has asked in their journey, just like Aurelia was talking about in the gateway. Overall, I haven't seen the questions that we're asking the rest of this series, but overall, I would guess that this question is probably the least controversial that we're going to cover. Uh, but it's one Christian culture has really grappled with a lot, especially recently. And it's come up with all sorts of different answers, many of which are not gratifying. So today we're asking this very simple question, why church? What is the value of this thing that we're doing? Because church is kind of weird when you start to think about it. We all wake up on for what most of us is a day off. We all get in our cars. We drive to this strip mall in Round Rock, Texas, which for some of us, the Bowens especially, is quite the trek. It's a long ways for some of us. We ring a little bell chime, which where do we do that in real life? We spend time in silence. Uh, we sing some songs. We pray to an abstract entity that we call God. Then we have a little snack of bread and juice, and the guy or girl gets up and gives a 20-minute TED Talk, and uh, then we all go home. And, and so the outside world, I don't think they could care less about what church is because it's weird. Church is strange. Range. Why would I want to be given an hour and a half of my time every week for something so strange and weird? But then there's those of us who grew up in church where all of this weird stuff kind of seems normal. And maybe your story's a little bit like mine. I was the poster child for church kid. Uh, I was destined or perhaps maybe doomed, depending on how you look at it, to be in church ministry. Uh, I grew up being groomed as a leader and a minister and teacher in my church because, well, I was a young man who was not afraid to get up in front of people, and I liked to sing and talk, which was the only qualifications you needed to be a minister in my tradition. And so <laughs> I loved going to church. I loved going to Mr. Car uh, Ms. Carroll's and Mr. Don's class on Sunday mornings. I, in high school, I loved going to Dr. Hart's house for Wednesday night youth group. I loved sitting and learning from our preachers that my little country church hired who were getting their graduate degrees. 
Uh, I was obsessed with worship and with music and loved learning about church history and getting to lead our very little small uh, youth group that we had. Uh, I loved church so much that I went to college trained to be a minister. I obtained two degrees in ministry and worked professionally as a minister. But after about 10 years of living in the real world and four professional ministry jobs later, church was not as fun anymore. You see, I was growing and I was changing and my, my understandings that I was having that were new weren't quite gelling with the old faith from back home. I struggled to communicate using the old paradigms. And so I became frustrated and critical of traditions and traditionalism and the rituals of my old faith. And I grew bitter of church leaders who valued numbers and who sought out excellence and production over authenticity and genuineness or those leaders who just wanted to maintain status quo because they didn't want to lose givers. And all of those things were so wrapped up in my church experience that I just grew tired of it. I was sick of it. And I was slowly wilting in the soil in which I was planted until finally it all became too much. It was either... Uh, well, I had to leave what I had known to be church for the last 30 years for something brand new and completely different. Uh, and it was pretty clear what the paths were before me. It was either stop going to church at all or do church differently in a wholly new, different way. And then there are those of you who probably fall somewhere in between all of that. Uh, Maybe you were taught by your parents or your grandparents that church is some sort of moral obligation. That it's something that good people do. And so you come to church every morning, or every Sunday morning, because your little voices in your head guilt trip you into actually getting up to church. And strangely enough, those sound like your parents or your grandparents. Maybe you're sitting here today not sure why you come, but you feel like you just need to be here. Others of you were abused by church. You were the recipients of some sort of spiritual trauma, and it baffles you to think that you still come to church after all that crap that you endured. And then there are others of you who have deconstructed the idea of church entirely, and you've, you've deconstructed the ideas of guilt and shame in your life, and you feel like you don't actually have to be here, but you're here anyway. And wherever you fall on that spectrum this morning, know that you're in good company because I think all of us in this room have at one time or another in our faith questioned the validity and the value of this thing that we call church. And let me be very, very clear with you this morning. To call church weird or irrelevant or pointless is not a sin. To call the validity of church into question will not result in some sort of religious anarchy which will burn the whole thing down. Rather, though, this religious institution of church could use a healthy dose of questioning these days. Doing so will inevitably either give us deeper meaning or at the very least, it's going to force us to consider changes that we need to make to add to the validity and the value of church. 
So today, I, I don't come with answers to this question, but rather a personal response. And, and there won't be any guilt tripping or Bible banging, uh, no big sales pitch for church today, uh, just experience. Because when I consider my relationship with church, all the reasons that I stick around have to do with some sort of experience with God and with others. And it's the only way I know how to talk about church. And so that's the way we're going to do it today. In the passage that Drew read for us a little bit earlier from, from Acts 2, we get sort of a utopian view of what church is and what church should be. But to be honest, in my 30 years of life, I've never been to a church who has executed all of those characteristics at one time because, well, people go to church, right? And it is my guess that you've never been to a church like that either. But that doesn't negate the fact that I have experienced a lot of Acts 2 in churches that I've been a part of. And really, as I think about it, that's why I'm still here. That's why I still come to church. Not because those churches were following some sort of biblical model for church or had some great programs or wowed me with sermons or worship. All of that matters very little to me. But rather, these churches gave me an experience of God and others that I think is unique or is at the very least special in the world that we live in and to the human experience. Now, I hear your thoughts already. I, I, can, I can hear you thinking this. Uh, and the answer is yes. I do believe that we can have church experiences outside of these four walls. But I don't know. There's just something about church for me that's different than the experience that I have outside in other cultural communities. And also, I also hear some of you saying in your heads, well, I just feel like I need a break from church today. Like, I'm, kind of, I'm getting tired. And I just want to affirm that in you. Because maybe you do. Maybe you do need a break from church, and that's totally okay. But today I hope that if you're in that place that you hear a message from me that might help kind of keep the flame alive, like maybe still carry the burning coal with you uh, to keep that flame alive for hope of, of a good church. And so uh, I just want to offer just a few thoughts on those characteristics that I think are special or unique to the church experience. And, and you may not have the same experience at church, and that's okay, but I just want to share what I've felt over the last 30 years of my life. So first of all, uh, I think there's something especially extraordinary about the communal experience of church. In Acts 2, the author of Luke is telling us that right after the events of Pentecost, all of the followers of Jesus were together, living communally, sharing life and possessions. It seems like this group was more than a civic organization or an association of like-minded people. It was, it was more than that. It was a group of people devoted to the care and well-being of others. And I think that in our world, we could use a little bit more of that because, well, making friends and meaningful connections in 2018 is hard work. But humans are inherently social animals. We know this. We crave uh, connection, we crave support, we want love from others. And in this day and age, people are more spread out, we're busier, 
We're more distracted. Uh, we're more isolated. We're more disengaged. And so finding community, quote unquote, becomes a secondary task, not a primary one, if we have the time and energy for it. Now, sure, we could form connections in civic groups, in hobbyist clubs, in political connections with work friends or with gym memberships. And yes, I think that we should be making connections through those avenues of social interaction. However, though, I think what we see in Acts is that the church is perfectly positioned to do community well. Because it provides for us proximity, repeated interactions, and, and it fosters an environment for vulnerability, which are all kind of a part of what psychologists say you need to have a good friend group. Being a part of a church, we are instantly connected to one another. Like I mentioned before, church has offered special connection for me that's different and uh, it's, I don't experience this out in the other parts of the world that I live in. For instance, it was church people who were the first ones at the hospital and who brought food and who cared for my family when my mom died of cancer. It was a pastor and church leaders who visited Sarah's mom in the midst of addiction and a declining health. It was church people who surrounded our friends who couldn't get pregnant who tirelessly struggled through the fostering process. It was church people who paid the bills of a family who couldn't support themselves. It was church people who provided care for the homeless and the marginalized of our community. You see, at its best, church provides us with a deep, genuine, caring relationship with one another. Just like we see in Acts 2. These people in this room care for us, love us, walk with us through whatever life throws at us. I know for so many of you, that's the story that you've lived yourself. In your guide today, Rachel Held Evans, uh, I put a quote in there that she, she wrote in her book, Searching for Sunday. She says this, Christianity isn't meant to simply be believed. It's meant to be lived, shared, eaten, spoken, and enacted in the presence of other people. They remind me, try as I may, that I can't be a Christian on my own. I need community. I need the church. And y'all, I desperately need community like that in my life. I'm not very good at making friends, and so I need you guys to be my friends. <laughs> That's why I'm here. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I keep coming here. There's another reason um, that I have continued to come to church, and it has to do with this practice of communion that we take every Sunday. And I know it might seem strange to you this, to say that a little crouton and a little bit of juice is reason to come to church every Sunday. But for me, it is. I love this practice for so, so many reasons. First of all, I think that eating is one of the great equalizers in our world. It is something everyone has to do to survive. And as I read through the Gospels, I see Jesus was always up for a meal. And, and when he did eat, it was with someone uh, that he had the opportunity to flip the social order upside down. 
For Jesus, the table was long and the seats were many. And in Acts, I think that Luke specifically points out that the, the first converts were meeting with each other specifically for the purpose of, quote-unquote, breaking bread, which is this practice that we partake in here. The table was central to the early church's theology of inclusion and togetherness. Now, that being said, I know that not every church does this inclusion well. Heck, just go read 1 Corinthians 11. You'll see that that did not go very well for them either. They had some problems. But I have to say that even in the most conservative churches that I've been a part of, people still want everyone to have a personal experience with Jesus Christ. And I think that communion, when it's done in the spirit of inclusion and community, provides us with that opportunity every week. This, this little sacred ritual reminds me that Christ is for everyone and is something that we all need. It reminds me that, that in Christ, as Paul would say, there are no factions, but all are one, which is a message that I think that our church needs to hear today. And, and secondly, just to add to this, every time we come to the table in our service, I feel like I have some sort of deeply spiritual moment that I don't have in other places in life. Um, I swear to you, and it, it happened again today, that I get a lump in my throat every time I watch the kids of peace line up to take communion. And, and I know that this has to mean something because I have never had a mystical experience or cried eating at Chili's. It's, but I've had multiple God-infused experiences with this cup and with this bread. It has to mean something. Coming to this place to partake in this sacrament with all of you opens me up to God in ways that other meals just don't. Granted, I, I've had a lot of meaningful meals in my lifetime. I really have. But none of them give me the chills or the teary eyes like communion does. This meal means something. It, it infuses us with divine presence. It causes us to contemplate our own thankfulness. It calls us to action, to be broken and to be poured out for others just as Christ was broken and poured out for others. And I just can't think of another meal in the world that invokes all of those thoughts. And so I return every week to receive this gift of this beautiful, beautiful ritual. Sure, I could go to H-E-B after church is over. It's on the way home. I could go to H-E-B and I could grab a bottle of wine and a loaf of French bread, which actually sounds really good right now. And I could call it communion. But if I'm honest, it's just not the same without all of you. One of my favorite authors is a guy named Leonard Sweet. He says this. If we were to make the table the most sacred object of furniture in every home, in every church, in every community, our faith would quickly regain its power and our world would quickly become a better place. It is, I just so desire that to be true in my life, which is why I need the ritual of table in my life regularly.
And finally, I keep coming back to church because I want to experience God. I know that's kind of a churchy answer, but I mean, that's why I'm here. I come to worship and to be in the presence of God. Now, I am a firm believer that God is present and available in every single space of life. Like we heard in the Old Testament reading that Wesley read this morning, that God did not need David to build him a physical house to live in, for God cannot be contained. Nor do I believe in the bifurcation of holy and not holy. I'm a huge Rob Bell fan, so I'll steal one of his lines. Everything is spiritual in my theology. Now, that being said, I feel like this time that I spend at church on Sunday mornings provides me the context to understand the holiness of every other moment during the week. It reminds me of the sacredness of all other moments because I've been here. By engaging in the teaching and the worship and the prayer that we receive here at Peace on every Sunday, I learn how to recognize and engage in the sacredness all around me. I don't know if I could do that without this context. So I want to come here, and I want to sing songs that constantly remind me of how glorious God is and how much I need God to thrive. Also, this short time of worship, it energizes me for the work that I feel like I'm called to do in the world. This place is like my charging station when my battery's low. It's the place where I come to be poured into so that I can then pour out. I need to engage and focus my worship every week so that I can engage in worship every other day of the week. And so I keep coming back to church. I keep coming back for more, despite the weariness that church has caused me, uh, despite the emotional hurt I've had at the hands of church leaders, despite uh, my frustration with church work, Despite my frustration with Christian culture, uh, despite my own laziness and my questions and my doubts and even my certainties, I need church. More specifically, I need you guys. And I need God. So that's why I'm still here. That's why I keep coming back. And so as we close, I just want you to receive this benediction. My dear friends of peace, may we never give up the meeting with one another. May we be committed to making this place one of community, communion, and worship where all people are welcomed and safe, challenged and activated, where they are fed and transformed by the deep love of God and the mutual friendship that we all share.